My king says that I am healed. My king says that I am more than a conqueror because he loved me. So, I, I'm, man, we got to live that way. Amen? What's the problem? Know what the problem is? We're going to get into it today. I'm glad you asked, but I've got to get into it right now. We're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Most of what we speak about today, bless the Lord, will be out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and possibly two. Let's see where the Lord takes us. Father, in Jesus' name, have your way. Beginning in verse 14. I'm sorry. Yeah, beginning verse 14. I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized in the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us... Listen, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, we talk so much about power, especially those of us who are, claim this charisma, this charismania, this Pentecostal experience that we've had. Lord, we, we just think of this Holy Spirit power as something that is, is, is kind of become showy and, and, and sometimes people have tried to copy it and even the enemy of our soul tries to, 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 to placate us by allowing us to, to have these, these Holy Spirit experiences, these parties that we think we're having. Uh, Lord God, that's not what it's all about. Father, we know that. Father, please, this morning, deliver us from that. Deliver us from all of those uh, opportunities that we have to become showy, f- uh, to be pretentious. Lord, deliver us from uh, spiritual uh, haughtiness and, and, and Father... F- all of those things that become showy. No, Lord, we want the real deal, which can only be found in the power of the cross of Christ. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for that power that you've showed us. Uh, and now, Lord, continue to grow us up in that. Teach us something this morning. Let that be more real to us this morning than it has been for a long, long time. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen, amen. and amen. I'm going to go back. See, now, what Paul is talking about here is he starts off this letter. In Acts chapter 18, we see where Paul actually went, and he evangelized Corinth. And now he's writing a letter, and he he wants to go back there, but he hadn't gotten back there yet, so he writes a couple letters, this being the first. And now what he's saying is because he's, he's heard some things, you see. He's heard some things that are happening in Corinth. Let me tell you a little bit about Corinth. Corinth is like a port city, very popular city, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a place where they boast a high uh, degree of intellect and, and philosophies, philosophers go there, arts. Uh, you know, they've got a lot of things and they're very rich. And, and it reminds me a little bit about where we are as it relates to the United States. Kind of a rich country, a lot of artsy, and they also have a lot of pagan temples and things of that nature there. So now what Paul does after he's uh, in Acts 18 where he's evangelized, now word gets back to him that, you know, there's some stuff going on out there as it relates to the Christians. In the Christian church, they're saying, you know, some of us uh, were baptized by Apollos, we're of Apollos, some of us are by Peter and some by Paul and some we just listen straight to Jesus. And Paul is telling him, is Christ divided? And that scripture that we just read together, that's, Paul is saying that. Listen, he says, I, you know, I, I'm glad that I only baptized a few of you. And, and re- remember, I didn't baptize you in my name. In fact, he says, Paul didn't die for you. We all are part of the body of Christ. So now, listen, you have this place where these people are, are of this culture. 
And now even it's, it's, this culture has crept into the Christian church. How do I know that? Well, this, this, is, this letter tells us that something's happened. And then you go back even into 2 Corinthians. If we go, if the Lord allows us to go, you'll see how he has to, to, to correct the church. Why? Because that culture has crept into the church. No longer is it any good just to be at the cross of Christ or just to be, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian because of Jesus Christ. No, I'm of Apollos. I've come out from under his teaching. Uh, I'm, of, I'm of Peter. Peter's teaching. I'm, I'm, that's, the, that's who I follow. No, Paul. And some, no, me, it's just Jesus. Amen. My brothers and sisters, is, and he says, is the body of Christ divided? No, the true body of Christ is not divided. No. It's when we creep in with our little bits and pieces, it's when we try to marry the culture with the body of Christ, then division comes. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to go back now. I'm going to read to you from um, 2 Corinthians, picking up in, in verse 6. I apologize, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. Yeah, I'm so excited, I can't even keep things straight. Verse 6, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. But it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My brothers and sisters, listen. This, this, this thing that he's, he's talking about, this mystery, this thing, it's not something that appeals to the culture, not the wise. It has nothing to do with the wisdom of men. It has nothing to do with their current educational level or, or level or their degree of intellect. This has everything to do with the crucified Jesus. Amen? Now, continuing in, in um, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. See, this mystery, remember the mystery, God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yet the deep things of God. For with what man knows the things of God except the spirit of man which is in him. I'm sorry, what for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So these things that we know spiritually, they have to be discerned through the spirit. They have to be revealed to us through the spirit. Amen? Amen. Verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us. By God. My brothers and sisters, look, let's go back. Now, this mystery, which is in the gospel, which has been revealed in, to us by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the, the good news of the kingdom and the crucifixion and all of, that, all of what that brings to us. But notice what he's saying both before and now in the scriptures that we read before and now this. It has to be revealed to I hath not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. They have to be spiritually discerned. We can't imagine, we can't even think up the best thing. We, we, those of us who studied together on Wednesday got into this just a little bit. You know, we can't even imagine the things that God has prepared for us simply because sometimes, I want to say this, sometimes we're too haughty. 
Sometimes we think too haughty. I got, you know, uh, you know, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the cross and all that, it's, it's foolishness. It's meant to be that way. Why? Because some people just have to be above everybody else. Some people have to be the deep thinkers and some people have to be just a little bit more, you know, all that than me or you. And God did that purposefully so that there wouldn't be anything like that, so that all would have to glory in the cross of Christ. There couldn't be... See, uh, my brother and sister, I, I, I get so frustrated about... Uh, I, I, you know, in our church, we say this. In our church, we do that. Fooey. What does Jesus say? What does Jesus do? I'm going to go to this church or that church because this thing, that thing, the other thing, Whatever. What about the cross of Christ? What about that? See, we go to another church or we go and follow somebody else or we look for another teaching, something that's a little bit deeper. Why? Why? What happened? Isn't this enough anymore? Well, yeah, that's why I'm going because someone else has a better revelation on that or someone else is going to teach that. You know, no, no. And see, then we forget. The power that saved us was on that cross. And somehow we graduated from the cross and we moved on and we forget the power that changed us was at the cross. Amen? Amen. And so we get too big for our British. See, it couldn't be that. See, there has to be something else. So then it evolves into all of these different things that it's evolved through through the ages. And now we see even in, in, in churches today what it's evolved into. Now, so we, have, we, we give access to the enemy. So now the enemy can go ahead and get in the churches like he's done and also like it's been prophesied that it would happen. So my brothers and sisters, so what happens is we're always looking for different things and new things and this and that and something deeper, something more meaningful, something that would, something that I could relate to. Well, if it's based on that, I needed to change. The way I was wasn't right. That's why he had to go to the cross. So if I'm waiting for something to come along that changes me, that has true power to change me into something that I'm not, Why do I want it to look like me in the first place? Why do I want it to be something that is relative to me in the first place? Now, listen, don't get me wrong, and I'm not trying to kind of mix words here. Yes, it has to be relatable to the the extent that I have to be able to go ahead and understand it. But isn't the Holy Ghost the one that brings us the understanding? Isn't it the, the power of the Spirit? Isn't the Holy Spirit the one that teaches us, leads, and guides us? So I, yeah, yes, I want it to be related. I want it, I want, but, but it has to be to get me to the cross, you see. Because at that cross is where the change begins. It's not the signs and wonders. It's, it's not the, the Santa Claus God who, when I get on my knees and pray, he hears me and he's going to pop it on me. It's not that. It's the cross. It's... It's at the foot of the cross where that change begins. It's at the foot of the cross where I get the power in, in me, where the Holy Spirit comes in me. And now I have the, now it's relatable. Now it's relatable. Why? Well, because no matter how stupid I was, and I was dumb, no matter who's, man, I'm so glad, man, where's Michelle? I'm so glad she's not in here. Now, 
no matter how stupid I was, no matter how worldly I was, in that moment I now have something inside of me that gives me the ability to relate to what he's saying. Are you there? Are you with me? Okay. Then I'm going to go ahead and go forward. Corinthians now, two, let's go. I'm going to go back. I'm going backwards now. I'm going back to um, verse one of the second chapter. And I, brethren, when I came to you, this is Paul, I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus and him crucified. This is the Apostle Paul. You see what the Apostle Paul is saying? Listen, I love this. I didn't come to you with excellency of speech or wisdom of declaring you the testimony of God, for I determined. See, listen, listen. Hey, so I, I didn't come to you, you know, with a, with a smooth tongue, with, a, you know, with, with the right words to say or anything like that. I didn't come to you in, in, in declaring any of this deep wisdom. And, and, and they see that word, uh, testimony of God? It's translated in the King James, the mystery of God, this mystery that we're talking about. So you see that, for I determined not to know anything among you. I didn't come in here trying to give you any deep thought, any deep thinking, any of this philosophy, any, any other thing, any of these mysteries that maybe even now the Gnostics are saying there's a deeper knowledge that you, that's what gets you close to God. No, he said, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Hallelujah. That's enough. You know, in 2 Corinthians, when Paul sends the second letter, because the first letter evidently wasn't enough, and he didn't make it there, so now he has to write them a second letter, and he's getting a little bit stern with them because they're allowing sin in the church and all this other stuff that's happening in the church. The culture outside the church was in the church, and they were allowing it. (laughs) So he gave them a warning, but they were also now defaming him. There were those who were defaming him. Well, he's not all that and blah, blah, blah. And, and they even go as far as to say, you know, he speaks like this in his letters, but when he comes here, different story. Paul even says at one point, I'm gonna, this is a loose paraphrase, do I need to come with the big stick or can I just love on you? You know, that, that's what he says. When I come, do I need to have the big stick with me or do, do I need to love on you? But look at what it says in, sec, just hear me, in 2 Corinthians 10.10. 10. This is Paul as he's responding to now, uh, uh, I'm going to give you from the Living Bible. Um, Don't bother about his letters, some say. He sounds big, but it's all noise. When he gets here, you'll see that there is nothing great about him, and you have never heard a worse preacher. Come on, did you hear that? Now, now I want to couple this together. Look, look, let's go back now. Uh, Could you put that last slide back up under the 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5? Look at what he says in the first couple of verses. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. See, I, I didn't come to you with excellence of speech or wisdom. Paul didn't have, let me, let me say this. Paul did not have a speech problem. And Paul did not have an intellectual problem. He was highly educated. Highly educated. Highly motivated. But what he's saying is, I didn't come in there trying to impress you with my speech, with my speaking abilities, with my knowledge of the word of God. I didn't try to come there and impress you all. I didn't come in there, hear me, I didn't come in there to put on a show. 
I came in there determined that I was going to preach the cross of Christ. Period. That's it, because that's all you need. Because you know why? Because God gets the glory in that. Amen? Let's continue in in verse 3. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. There you see it. Paul says it better than I could say it. Amen? There's no doubt, my brothers and sisters, that when he went there and he evangelized and he preached, there were some signs and wonders that followed. How do I know that? Well, we know that he had to go ahead and reprimand him in this letter for misusing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So there were gifts, there were signs and wonders. But even Paul, he doesn't even make his big boast in that. He's saying, I preached the cross of Christ. I preached Christ Jesus and him crucified. God deserves all of the glory. My brothers and sisters, this is a big problem in our society and in our culture because we're so attracted to all. Man, there are so many good speakers, so many vulnerable. Let me tell you, Hitler was a good speaker. But now let's look at it just in this vein. There was a man, there were many men down through history, but just something that we, what about Jim Jones? He got people to poison themselves and poison their babies. How did he do that? By being a terrible speaker? How did he, how did he persuade those people? He, he, he was motivated. He took this. He twisted it. He, took, he got them to follow him. They got them, he got them to believe he was something that he was not. How about David Koresh? We don't know all of the details, but I'm going to tell you, those people, there, there are survivors that have given witness. You know, he had those people believing that he was a type of Messiah. See, my brothers and sisters, this is what Paul is saying. God gets the glory when we try to go ahead and, and, and we attach ourselves to these great speakers and, and you know, we're hearing what they're saying and, and we're motivated because they have a talent and, and there's this art form and, and they sound good and, and some can give you the, the, their, their pedigree. You know, how many seminaries and how many degrees and, and what they graduated from and to. My brothers and sisters, phooey on that because there is no power in anything save the cross of Christ. If the cross of Christ isn't enough, then we missed it. Because that's where it all begins, right there. Hallelujah. When the cross of Christ becomes of no effect on us, we're damned. We're damned. We're not going to make it. Wow, boy. I, I know you're listening intently. And I'm trying not to be, uh, use persuasive words of human wisdom. No, think about that. Think about it. When the cross of Christ is no longer enough, we've missed it. We've missed it. Man, the gifted speakers that we have. And, I, you know, listen. Now, I want to say something here, too. One of the best speakers that I've heard or one of the most effective speakers that I heard was Billy Graham. Now, now for those of you Young people, you, you're not as familiar with him. If you want to, go on YouTube and you can probably click. But, but when you really get right down to it, um, you go and you listen back on some of his sermons, some of his messages in stadiums full of people. Very simple. 
Very simple message, and it always led back to the cross of Christ. He was a very effective minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. Agree with him, disagree with him, I don't care what you say, that, he, that his organization has not only led, is responsible for leading a, pe- a bunch of people to the Lord, but they also help other ministries lead people to the Lord. My brothers and sisters, very simple. Very simple. There are some great speakers down through the years who, 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 who had vast knowledge. Uh, I, I, I'm going to give credit to my pastor in Carolina, Loran. Pastor Loran Livingston. One of the best preachers that I've ever sat under. Now, when you sit there under him and you hear him preach a message, it's an awesome message, but very down-to-earth, very plain, very understandable. Very good, very good communicator. He's talented. He's, there's no question. He's got a gift from God to be able to communicate. The gift. But I also know what I also know about him is that he's very intelligent. And he, he, he would be able to sit down with any Bible scholar and, and have any kind of discussion that you would want to have. But when he, got, when he gets in that pulpit and he's communicating the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can understand it. I wanted to go to, I wanted to make sure that I was in church every Sunday because I knew that God was going to be preached. I knew the Holy Spirit would be there and I knew that the word coming out of his mouth would be of God. Did not want to miss it. But it wasn't about all of this hoopla. It wasn't about the big show. Music was great. The praise to the Lord was great. But the message was very simple. So please, when I say these gifted speakers, I'm not foo-fooing all of that. I'm not saying that God doesn't bless people with, a, with an ability to speak and communicate well. And my brothers and sisters, when it becomes more about the show and the glitz and all of the stuff that goes along with it, or when it goes more about I've got to give you some deeper revelation, I'm going to tell you what God... I, I, I spent uh, uh, the whole week on the mountaintop, and here's what God told me. Now I'm going to come down, and I'm going to deliver you this new thing. God is, 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 God is still waiting for us to catch up with the old thing. You see, and that's the thing. The old rugged cross, that's for us old timers. Is this, somebody don't even know that's an old hymnal. See, these young people, they don't even know. The old rugged cross. Amen. Go ahead, sing it. No, never mind. Think about that. But the old, that's for the old people. No. There is no other power. It starts there. Amen? I was going to read to you, but I'm not. I'm going to summarize a story out of Numbers chapter 21. You all can go look up later. It's Numbers chapter 21, and I'm going to begin in verse 4. It's another one of those times when the Israelites, they were, they were, uh, they were, had been delivered, obviously, from Egypt, and they're in the wilderness, and they're doing this thing, and God is already raining manna down on them and the whole spiel, and you know, he's already given them some victories, and so now, uh, here they are marching, and there's, uh, they're, they're backbiting and gossiping, and they're talking against God and against Moses. They're tired of this manna all the time. They're tired of this stuff. So they're complaining against Moses and against God. So God allowed fiery serpents, that means venomous snakes, into the camp. And there was venomous snakes in the camp and biting the children of Israel, and they were dying. So they run to Moses, and they say, pray for us 
because we've sinned. We've spoken against you and God. We've sinned. So Moses said, later for you, you're getting what you deserve. No. No, what Moses did was he interceded. He did what the good shepherd, what our Jesus, our Lord, the model of what our Lord Jesus would do to intercede for his people, that's what he did. He interceded for his people. And God said, put a brazen, bronze one of those snakes and put it on a pole and lift it up. And you tell them, whoever looks upon it will be healed. Won't die. They'll be saved. Would you put that slide up, please? The power, the power to be healed, to be saved, to live. They had to look upon that serpent. That was a foretaste, that was a foreshadow of what was to come. That serpent represents sin and death. That serpent represents sin and death. So you take the people, tell them to look upon that serpent and they'll be saved. Now, why would God do such a thing like that? Why don't we just go ahead and and just allow them to be saved? Because he's speaking to them. He's speaking to everybody from then till now. When we look upon him, that's our sin. That's our sin. It says, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God in him. You can take that down. Did you hear that? He who knew no sin became sin, not, not, not took on our sin, became sin that we might be the righteousness of God in him. So my brothers and sisters, what God did for those children of Israel, he's showing us what's happening for us today. What's happening? When we look upon that cross and we recognize that we have sinned and our sin now is hung on that cross, our sin is, is, is taken away from us and it's hung on that cross. Oh, and by the way, that sin would have caused us to die. And we know what happened to Jesus three days after he came down off that cross. Amen? Hallelujah. But it makes no sense. It makes no sense that that a king would come. Our king came into this world. If you think about it in any other way, how could a king that is so powerful come into a land and conquer it by allowing himself to be brutally beaten and tortured and killed? The serpent. That's how. That's why. There had to be something that took my sin away from me. See, what happened was when God, the the creator of everything, created earth and he put man on it and he said, this is your, you subdue it. You take dominion over it. You have rule over this. I'm just going to visit with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have fellowship with you, but I'm going to give you this to have rule over it. But I want to fellowship with you. We're going to stay tight. But there's just that one thing. 
And man, of course, did that one thing. And when man did that one thing, what he said was, God, I want this to rule me. I'm not, I, I'm not good. It's not good enough for me just to have rule over this and have fellowship with you. I want this to rule me. And that's exactly what happened. At that moment, man became subject to a different kingdom, a kingdom that can only be perceived by the natural mind, the natural eyes, and our senses. And that's all the satisfaction that we could receive from that point on was through that. That's what we could perceive. That's what we can understand. That's what made sense to us. But then there had to be a a second man, the second Adam, who was the king, who always was, always will be. And how did he take dominion? How did he take back the kingdom? Did he come with an army of angels? No. Did he come this heavenly host and just, you know, just make Satan appear in a body or in a form and then just choke him out? Did he challenge him to a, a you know, one of them UCF battles or whatever they're called and just say, this is it. We're going in. There's not going to be ain't no holds barred. We're going to have, what do you call those things? What's that? We're going to go, yeah, well, because we know the outcome. But no, did he do that? No. Did he say, okay, uh, we're going to have a test of intellect. We'll have a, a, a you know, if you, we're going to pose all of these questions, and whoever can answer all of these questions, you know, that's the winner. That's who takes control of this earth, this kingdom, this thing that I set up for man to have dominion over. No, it was lost by man, so it was regained by a man. And that man understood something because he was full of the Spirit. Like last week, remember, he was full of the Spirit. When he came up out of the water after he was baptized, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested. And when he was tested, each and every time the enemy of your soul and mine came to him, he said, take this and go back to where you came from and give him a wallop right in the kisser with his fist. No, he did not. Spiritually, he did. Did he do that? No. When the enemy came to him and showed him the, the, the food that he needed so much and, and the kingdoms, and he appealed to every human sense and sensibility. When the enemy appealed to every human sense and sensibility, did you hear that? Jesus stayed true to what the Word of God. He stayed obedient to the Word of God. I'm going to give you all the kingdoms of the world. No, I'm not, I can't bow down and worship you because it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and Him only shall you serve. My brothers and sisters, it, you know, we, we, we learned this in Sunday school when we were little baby babies. But every time He stayed true. Every time. Do you know that when he stood before Pilate, he made it known that if it, you know, there was no power that anybody had over him that wasn't given to them by God. He, he said this. He said, no one takes my life. Don't let him snap his neck. <laughs> no, one takes, no one takes my life. I freely give it. I give it. When Peter drew his sword in the garden, 
Mix it up, boys. Go ahead. Take them. No. No. You can't do that. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. He said, you know what? If I wanted to, I could command legions of angels to come and rescue me. Do you hear that? He said, if I wanted to, I could command legions of angels to come and rescue me. Could he have? Yeah, he could have. But he didn't. Why? Because that wasn't the power that was needed to save us, to bring the kingdom of God on earth. The kingdom of God is not about, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That spirit is love. That spirit is love. And that love was poured out for us on the cross. Therein is the power, the power for him to resist all of the the, the natural things, the earthly things, all of those things that make sense and are sensible. He, 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 He did not adhere to those things. Why? Because he was a resident of a different kingdom. He was ruled by a different kingdom. And now he's put that rule in your heart and in my heart. Where'd he do it? At the cross. At the cross. The power of the cross. Jesus restored the kingdom on the cross. Here's something else. When I was considering this message, because I, listen, I know that, that, that even now, it just seems too simple. And because sometimes when we find ourselves like in the way where we're, you know, things aren't going right or we're feeling, you know, sick in our bodies or we're just not feeling it, you know, you ever wake up, you're just not feeling it or you're going through some things and, you know, you're just not feeling it. You don't feel the hair up on the back of your neck. You know, you sang that your favorite song and it's just not happening the same. So we're going by those feelings instead of trusting him. Instead, well, you know, those things, it just seems too simple that if I call on the name of the Lord, he's going to rescue me. He's going to save me. He's going to empower me to, go, to get over this thing, whatever it is that I'm going through. It, it's just too simple to pray and ask him to heal me in my body. It just seems too simple to, to, to pray and have him restore the joy of my salvation. Do you remember when you first went to him, those of you who are born again, I mean truly born again, I'm not talking about y'all who went to an altar sometime, you you thought that that when you prayed a a couple of prayers there and you asked Jesus into your heart, everything was done, you walked away the same and nothing changed. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking to those of you who really know that when you went to the foot of the cross, you left it with him and something happened and you walked away. Do you remember how you felt that moment when you gave it to Christ? I, I don't know about you, all. I'm just going to say it this way, because I felt totally clean. I felt like a weight was lifted off of me. Did anybody else have that kind of feeling? Hallelujah. I felt like, man, all of a sudden, there was some blinders that were taken off. I understood something. Oh, there was a long way to go, and I still have a long way to go. But my brothers and sisters, man, something happened. Something changed. I, again... I still needed a lot of ministering. I still needed to get into this word, you see. But I know that something powerful happened to me. Something happened. It was at that cross when I put my trust 
in what I heard of that gospel. It's that mystery that Paul is speaking to. It's that mystery that it wasn't understood down through the ages. Even the the people, Israel, who it was promised to, couldn't perceive it. And those people who think themselves to be so deep, they can't understand. It's just that simple. How simple is it? That our king would come and die, be, be literally torn in pieces and die for us. That our king would do that because in that There's power. He could have come and he could have started it all over again. He did it once, maybe twice. He did it, he destroyed it, and he could have done it again. He wouldn't have done it with water because he promised he wouldn't. Well, I will tell you, he is going to do it again, and it's going to be by fire. But all of us, my brothers and sisters, won't have to even fear the fire because we'll just come out more pure. Hallelujah. My brothers and sisters, the power, the power that the cross displays for us when our king stretched out his arms and his arms were wide open so that you and I will never have to feel the sting of sin. Ever. Ever. The power. No one can imagine that power. It doesn't make sense. Why would a king do that when he has all the power that we can't even imagine? Why would he do it? Because again, the power is love. It's very simple love. Love. So am I going to go have an, a big contest with somebody else? Am I going to go ahead and, 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 you know, and, and talk bad about my brother? Am I going to go ahead and treat people cruelly? Am I going to go ahead and, and go back to the way the old Tony used to live and think the way the old Tony used to think when at that cross something really happened and I, and I had an encounter with him and I know that he changed something in me? Did he change something in me so that I could go back? No. Did he change something in me so that I could keep my eye on that upward call, be constantly called upward? Come up here, Tony, a little higher. Come up here, Tony, a little higher. Come up here, Tony, a little higher. Come on. Come on. And you know, as he's calling me, I I keep telling you this. I know I'm repeating the scripture, but I love it. As he's calling me closer and closer, as as he's calling me to something bigger and higher, he's already got a hold of me. And he's helping me go higher. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But what happened? Because I'm still looking for this bigger and higher and I forgot what happened at the cross. The power was at the cross. So I think about as I'm meditating on this message and stuff. You know what came to my mind? Uh, I'm going to give you the scripture. I, I probably won't read it, but I'm gonna, if you look up it later, Luke 23, 39 through 42. Remember when Jesus was crucified, he was hung between two criminals, right? He was hung between two criminals. And the one says, if you're the Christ, get down off that cross and take us with you. Right? Remember that? Okay. The other one says, Hey, don't you fear God? You know, we're, we're being persecuted. We're, we deserve what we're getting. You don't even fear God in your death? Uh-oh. You don't even fear God in your death? Don't you know you're going to have to stand before him in the not-too-distant future? Don't you even fear him while you're dying? This man's done nothing. We are getting what we deserve. He's innocent. And he looks at Jesus, he says, Jesus, Lord, remember me when you've come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, 
this day you will be with me in paradise. But here's how he prefaced it. Truly, assuredly, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Hallelujah. 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 My brothers and sisters, that man on the cross, there's no question in my mind that he must have heard Jesus' preaching. Do you remember, before Jesus was crucified, his public ministry was about three, three and a half years. There's no question that this criminal on the cross had heard his preach, had heard the message. There's no question about it. And when he addressed Jesus, look at what he says first to the other criminal. We deserve what we're getting. We deserve. Come on now. Don't, don't let, come on. We deserve what we're getting. There's repentance. There's repentance. You can't, listen. This man, you can't, you can't get any closer to the cross of Christ than he was. And in that moment, he's saying, I repent. And I recognize you, Jesus. I recognize who you are. Jesus, Lord, remember me when you've come into the king. I know you're a king. Oh, hallelujah. I know you're a king. I know you're a king. You see, repentance, recognizing the king. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Can you imagine what that criminal felt on the inside of him when Jesus says, truly, this day you'll be with me in paradise? Can you imagine? Listen to me. It shouldn't take a lot to imagine that. Because if you went to the foot of the cross, the same thing happened to you. It's no more powerful than that. Because you and I, we are criminals. He hung on that tree because of me. Remember, he who knew no sin, my king who knew no sin, became sin for me, that I might become the righteousness of God in him. How powerful. How, how, we know how that felt. We know how that felt. But the other one, what did he see? He saw a guy, you know, if you're the Christ, he knew that he was claiming he must have heard some preaching and teaching too because he said, Jesus, he said to him, if you are the Christ, if you are the Christ, get yourself down and take us with you. Take us with you. Was he recognizing his kingdom, his king, his lordship? Give me something I want. No repentance. Nothing. It's, I'm here at the cross to be free. Only. I'm here at the cross to find something better, to improve my circumstances or situation. Uh Uh-oh. Boy, it's pretty quiet right now, isn't it? I'm here at the cross because it seems like this is my only chance right now. I'm here at the cross because grandma takes me to church every day and I know they're expecting me to do this. 
I'm here at the cross because it's, hopefully it's going to take some pressure off of me. I'm here at the cross just hoping something will change. No. Who are you? Which one are you? My brothers and sisters, I'm afraid there have been too many people go to that cross and never get the power, never understand the power of that cross. I can't go to that cross just hoping for something to change. I go to that cross knowing that my king loves me enough to suffer and die for me so that I won't have to. My king showed me what that looked like in numbers. I deserve death. See, that sin was in the camp. That sin, that snake represented that sin. And that sin was killing people. Did, did, I, take, did I suddenly go sideways? Yeah. That sin was killing people. Put that sin on the cross Amen. and be saved. Amen? Amen. Power. See, I, I, I want... I want the Pentecost. I want the full whammy. I want the Pentecostal experience. I want for us to come together and we just pray for each other when we're sick and we're healed. I, I, I want for us, for anything that we need, any, any, any sick among us, like the Bible says, if there's any needs, any material needs, we're not looking for somebody else out there outside the kingdom to bless us. We're not compromising because if we compromise, we're going to get what we want. We're not looking to, to rule this kingdom by the natural, but we know that we are already more than conquerors through him who loved us because we received that at the foot of the cross. Man, I want that to be so real inside of me that I'm coming and I'm looking to you before I go anyplace else. No, no, no. See, that you, you just you said amen. Why, why would I look to you No, I'm looking to you for the fellowship. I'm looking to you because it says that we should pray for one another. But I never forget who my king is. I never forget the source. How could I forget that if I remember what he did for me at the cross? The cross of Christ. That's the power of God on the salvation. Amen? It's the gospel which includes the cross. Hallelujah. And what was the gospel? The gospel of the kingdom of God, the good news. My king died for me so that I could experience his kingdom. I am now a resident of the kingdom of God. Amen? And I don't have to... See, here's the other part of this good news. I don't have to wait until I die. And here's the other part of the good news. When I die, it's not the end. This kingdom that I enjoy, this victory that I now have here, when my life is over, that's not the end. It's just the beginning. The thing that he provides for me here, the power that he's provided for me here, that's just the beginning. When I die, fullness of salvation. Amen. Listen, I've talked for a long time. Let's, let's sing together. Let's pray. Let's sing together. But I, man, can, can you please do something for me? Can, can you just take, you just play anything? When they're playing this softly, can you do something for me? Can you just think, meditate on this word that the Lord has given us? Let me, let me ask you all something. 
do you know that you're saved? I'm not asking you to doubt your salvation. What I'm asking you is, do you, did something really happen? Did you really go to the foot of the cross absolutely knowing that you had to leave your sin there? Did you go to the foot of the cross? Did you really know? Did you really have an experience with Christ? Did things really change for you? Did you experience that power? Let me ask you this. Did you go to the foot of the cross? You experienced the power, but something happened. You know what? The cares of this world got all over you. You know what? You started doubting. And you're counting on cashing in when you leave this body, but you're not really having a good experience while you're here. Think about these things. Meditate on these things. Listen, don't leave here without realizing that happened. Listen, if if you need to go to the foot of the cross to receive the power, to understand the power, go. Don't let, I wouldn't let anything or anybody get in the way. I wouldn't let my own pride or ego get in the way. If it's been a long time and you just have, man, there's just, it's cloudy to me. I don't feel the the power anymore. I'm carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders. He did not deliver us his kingdom so that we could feel this worldly weight. Hallelujah. So let's go to him. Let's pray. I'm going to give you a few minutes. Just pray. If that's, if, if, listen, if you need to pray, please come to the front and pray. Let's pray.